You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome, my lovely friend, to the podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Henson, and I am exceptionally excited about this episode. I cannot believe that we have not covered this topic on the show yet, and that is adaptogens. Chances are you've heard about them. They mm, are sort of a buzzword, I think. The most common being ashwagandha, holy basil, ginseng, but yeah, we have never chatted about it here, so we're going to get into it, you know, better late than never. I personally have been using adaptogens for at least 10 years, um, the first being ashwagandha. I enjoy it as a tea. I just take the powder and mix it in with uh, some plant milk and have it before bed, and I have seen profound benefits from this. But you know, what is the deal, right? Is is our adaptogens all that they chalked up to be? Is it all worth the hoopla that everybody is talking about? There's so many different companies out there making different potions, elixirs, <laughs> mixes, um, whether that be with adaptogenic mushrooms or ashwagandha or all kinds of different stuff. So we're going to get into it. But first off, what is an adaptogen? An adaptogen is a plant, herb, or mushroom that have health benefits and help the body manage stress. And they have been used for centuries, surprise, surprise, in herbal medicine practices throughout the world, most notably in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. But before we get into all the details, I want to give a little brief history because I love history anyways. Uh, As I mentioned, adaptogens have been used for thousands of years, but the term wasn't coined until 1957 by Nikolai Lazarev. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but... We're going to go with it to refer to substances that increase a state of, quote, non-specific resistance against multiple stressors. Lazarev was a Soviet scientist and researcher in the field of toxicology and preventative medicine, and he started researching plants from all over the world, trying to discover and develop new ways to improve and protect human health. He grew up in Russia during and following the revolution. And during this time, the Soviet leaders were really trying to transform Russia into an industrial society. And Russia, along with the rest of the struggle of the rest of the world, um, was having a hard time keeping up with the demands of industrialization. And this resulted in, of course, as we know, a lot of dangerous working conditions And after Lazarev completed his medical school, he started researching and trying to identify all of these damaging effects um, of the new industrial chemicals that humans were being exposed to. And so he and his scientific team were able to identify over 400 previously unknown, completely unknown, chemical compounds that were in these new factories. And they started studying the effects of all of this, um, basically the 
toxic industrial byproduct on the population, on the people. And so in the 1930s, Lazarev discovered that even a minimal exposure of these chemical compounds could have just horribly negative reactions in humans, and they called them, quote, alarm reactions, and that if this exposure kept going, which most of most of it did because these people were working in these factories for long periods of time, the body would have a hard time adapting, you know, struggling to adapt, um, and it would actually alter biological responses. So they found that the reaction was actually damaging DNA. It was accelerating the aging process, and it was causing illness in these people. So at first, Lazarev began studying pharmacological substances and products to use to help the body's resistance to all of these stressors and all of these chemicals. And he dove deep into his research and eventually was employed by the Soviet Union as a pharmacologist and became one of their leading experts on pharmacology and toxicology. He was also contracted to work on several military projects. He was uh, employed to help elite Russian athletes boost their performance. And through all of this research, he discovered many effective stimulants that improved productivity and um, performance of the soldiers during wartime. But the issue was that he found that while these pharmaceuticals derived drugs like amphetamine, amphetamine and other stimulants, they were very successful short term, but they had extreme har- harmful side effects if they were used for a long time. So this is what sparked him to kind of pivot and try to find some other substances that could have the same benefits as these pharmaceuticals, but without all of the negative side effects. And over a 30-year period, he was able to discover all types of different uh, plants and adaptogenic plants that we know now. Um, And one of the common denominators is that they had this unique ability to, quote, correct the imbalances that cause fluctuations in homeostasis. And without all of the side effects of the pharmaceuticals. So he concluded that adaptogens could create what he termed a, quote, state of enhanced general resistance, or SEGR, within an organism. And this is defined as a state of increased resistance to a wide range of damaging effects. And then it wasn't actually until 1968 that a doctor by the name of Israel Breckman refined Lazarev's work and expanded on Lazarev's definition of adaptogen. So he created basically three qualifications that an adaptogenic plant has to have. One, they have to be non-toxic. So an adaptogenic herb or mushroom should be safe and non-toxic, showing no significant side effects. Two, an adaptogen must produce a non-specific response in the body, 
So it must have a generalizing action to improve resistance to all kinds of stressors, whether that be physical, psychological, environmental. And three, adaptogens have a normalizing impact on the body. They balance capacity within adaptogens has a biodirectional effect. This means that the plant's medicinal constituents will perform as needed in order to help return the stressed physiological conditions to a normalized state. So in the, in the example of ashwagandha, which is so incredible, if you need more energy, ashwagandha will give you energy. If you need more rest and you need to be able to sleep better, that is what it will give you. It literally, literally adapt, adaptogens, they adapt to what you need. It is really, really nuts. So how in the world do adaptogens actually work? They interact with the HPA axis or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. (laughs) This is an intricate system of glands, hormones, and receptors that's central to the body's homeostasis, stress response, and energy metabolism. Of course, there is more to it than just that, but we will talk about that in Adaptogens 102 course. But right now, I'm going to talk about the top adaptogens that have been studied. So there are actually something called primary adaptogens and secondary adaptogens. Primary adaptogens are ones that have a lot of scientific research. So they are supported and backed by science, which so many people want. And they, of course, meet all the adaptogenic qualifications, those three that I mentioned earlier. And then secondary adaptogens are just ones that, of course, show lots of promise. They just have not been extensively researched. But who knows, you know, what will happen down the line. Hopefully, they will. So the top primary adaptogens are, of course, ashwagandha, cordyceps, ginseng, holy basil, licorice, shilajit, alithero, which is also known as Siberian ginseng, rhodila, and Shisandra. Some of the secondary adaptogens include things like astragalus, hishuwu, I might not be saying that right either, maca, reishi, lion's mane, morinda, sea buckthorn, turkey tail, chaga, and so many more, much of which I cannot pronounce. Honestly, I was trying to pronounce the ones or trying to say the ones that I could pronounce because a lot of them are very difficult. Again, the secondary adaptogens have shown huge benefits. Obviously, they've been studied for, or sorry, used for sometimes thousands of years. They just haven't been studied as much. I do want to touch on a few of the primary ones and their benefits. I am maybe just picking out a few of my favorites but this is not saying that these are the top three or anything like that. The first one is probably most well-known, more well-known, I'd say, than some of the other ones, uh, which is ashwagandha. And this is also sometimes referred to as Indian ginseng or Indian winter cherry. It is also known as the, quote, smell of a horse. Very appealing, right? (laughs) This bushy shrub has been commonly used in Ayurveda and used to promote youth and longevity 
and alleviate suffering. It's also thought to rejuvenate men, strengthening bone marrow, muscles, and semen. But of course, it can benefit women as well. (laughs) Along with all that, it's also shown to relieve stress and anxiety, lower blood sugar and fat, increase muscles, boost brain function, promote heart health. And on top of all that, it can help with pain relief and sleep. It's also shown to have cancer-fighting properties, antiviral, antimicrobial, and antifungal. So yeah, it's pretty incredible. And I will be honest, it's probably my favorite. (laughs) Next one I want to chat about is cordyceps. This is a pretty wild one. You might have heard me chat about cordyceps on some of the previous episodes when I had on some different mushroom experts. Technically, it's classified as a mushroom, uh, but it is a strange one. It's a mushroom that grows out of bugs. So basically, it takes over the bug and makes it like a zombie. It's like a zombie, a zombie mushroom. So then the bug just like walks around and it takes over its central nervous system. Um, so a little bit disturbing, uh, if you ask me. It has been used for thousands of years and found in the Himalaya mountains. And because it grows out of bugs, it was, it is quite rare and was quite, quite, quite rare and difficult to find. Therefore, it became reserved for use for only the emperor and his royal family. Thankfully, today, they don't need bugs to grow the mushroom, I learned, which makes me really happy. And they can cultivate it without having any bugs in the equation. No need for unnecessary harm, even if there are little bugs. The scientific studies on cordyceps have shown that they can benefit those with kidney deficiencies. They also have cancer-fighting properties. They can help protect the brain. They can also help protect the body from radiation. And in the past, in China, it was used, often used, in soups and eaten just directly to restore vigor and prevent illness, also to promote longevity. In folk medicine, it was often cooked to help people recover from tuberculosis, pneumonia, and other debilitating diseases. The next one that I want to talk about is Shilajit. Very odd name. (laughs) But if you're on social media, Uh, and often look at holistic accounts, chances are you've seen people promoting Shilajit. This isn't exactly a plant or an herb or a mushroom. It's a rare resinous substance found in mountain regions of Karakoram and in the Himalayas. It's comprised of various plant organisms and humus, which is organic matter that is found in the soil and it's formed by decomposing plant and animal matter. So it is comprised of this compressed humus by multiple layers of sedimentary rock. And not surprisingly, Shilajit is incredibly rich in organic minerals, antioxidants, amino acids, nutrients, phytochemicals, and fulvic acid. The Sanskrit word for Shilajit means can mean invisible rock the conqueror of the mountains or the destroyer of all weakness (laughs) it has been used in ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years and some of the scientific studies on the substance 
have shown its incredible nutrient density, obviously not surprisingly. It's also shown that it has anti-inflammatory properties. It can also be uh, used as an endocrine or cellular protection from oxidative stress. She legit can also protect your body, cardiovascular health and lower cholesterol, as well as increase GABA, and it can have antipsychotic properties. Of course, I could go on and on about different adaptogens, but I just wanted to give you a brief overview of it. This is Adaptogens 101. If there are certain adaptogens that you would like to hear about, be sure to shoot me a message on Instagram or email me at Rebecca at therefinedhippie.com. There are, of course, different ways that you can consume adaptogens. It, it can depend on the adaptogen itself. Um, there, you can buy it as powders. Um, some of them, definitely like ashwagandha. I think often I've seen she legit as like basically a resin, like a liquid almost, um, or like a paste. Uh, and then you put it in your water. You can find them in capsule form. Um, if you are interested in learning more about adaptogens, I highly recommend the book Ritual Wellness Adaptogens, Herbs for Longevity and Everyday Wellness. It is written by the founder of Anima Mundi Herbs or Herbals, which is a company that I am absolutely obsessed obsessed with. Uh, the founder, Adriana, grew up in Costa Rica, and she has dedicated herself to the study of plants and healing from a young age, apparently. She uses rainforest tribal-style botany, as well as classic European alchemy, and bridges the gap between indigenous medicine and Western practices. I I love basically everything that she creates. I actually ordered... Um, about a month ago, I ordered some of her stuff, um, some rose powder and this delicious plant-based collagen that is chai flavored. I had had the, I didn't know that they had different flavors. I had had, I had bought years ago, the original one, which was just the plant-based collagen. But then she, they came out with a delicious one that is chai and I am obsessed with chai. So how do you make plant-based collagen. Well, the thing about collagen, which I should do a whole episode on this, right, is that you don't need to eat somebody else's collagen to make collagen. You need to have the right things, the right substances, the right nutrients, so that your body can produce its own collagen. It's kind of like, you know, people thinking that if you eat somebody's brain, you're going to get smart. You know, like, that doesn't really make any sense, does it? No, of course it doesn't. So the... Plant collagen boosting or collagen booster, sorry, from Anima Mundi has ingredients like he, she, woo. Again, he, she, woo. Again, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> horsetail. It has ginger, nettle, rose, uh, mangosteen. What else does it have? Cardamom, cinnamon, all these things that help your body produce its own collagen. So, Check that out. I will put the information in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I had bought their collagen booster and their rose powder and, and making like rose lattes. 
which are not only delicious, but also very beautiful. And let's be real. It is fun to make a beautiful concoction. You know, I love talking about that with mocktails, but it's the same with lattes. You know, you can go out and get a latte, but the thing about going out and getting lattes is 98, 99% of them are not using the best ingredients. So if you make one at home, if you have all the right things to make them at home, then you know that you're getting the right plant milk. If you're making your own, it doesn't have oils and things like that. And it's organic. So the rose is really beautiful. It is so aromatic. The The smell is just exquisite. And the quality, of course, is really great. And rose has been shown, it has extremely high antioxidants. It has been shown to support blood purif- purification, the cardiovascular system. It can also help reduce inflammation of the eyes and skin and may reduce wrinkles and slow down the aging process. Yes, please. It can also help increase the connection between the self and others. So um, their product actually on the label, it has rose, and then underneath it says open heart. So it has been used um, for centuries because of those properties, because it's thought to help basically open the heart and relieve the heart from not just uh, physically, but also spiritually, emotionally, you know, um, and it's really lovely. So that one I highly recommend, but again, they have so many beautiful products. I am not sponsored by them. I wish I was (laughs) because I love everything that they create. And, um, they also have tonics and tinctures and those kind of things. I think they also have, uh, essential oils. They have elixirs, um, yeah, so check them out. Um, of course, there's all kinds of other companies that are creating wonderful products using, you know, these um, plants and m- mushrooms that have been used for thousands of years. And are, the ancestors know what's up, right? They know they've spent a long time figuring out what works and what doesn't. And it is great to have some research behind everything. I totally agree. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? If they've been doing it this long, it's not like bloodletting or something. <laughs> you know, like we stopped doing that. They realized that that didn't work. Um, but these things that have been used for thousands of years and are still being used speaks volumes to me. So I hope you learned a little bit of something. As I said, if you have certain adaptogens that you would like to learn more about, um, let me know. I know a lot of these that are on this list are mushrooms or not a lot, but quite a few lion's mane, reishi, um, turkey tail. Those are all mushrooms. And I have a bunch of episodes with mushroom experts, which we go over, uh, some of those. So I will link those in the show notes because I think I have like three or four episodes about mushrooms. You can also go to my website, therefinedhibby.com. And in the right hand corner, there is a little search button and you can just type in mushrooms and it'll come up that way as well. So as always, thank you so much for joining me today and until next time, peace and plants. Peace.